It was the end of August, and the children were getting bored with their summer freedom. They had spent too many hours at the mercy of their own desires. Their legs and arms were scratched, bruised, blistered with poison oak. Seawater had turned their hair to straw, and the sun had left cruel red scars across their cheekbones and noses. All the trees had been climbed, the paths explored, the cliffs scaled, the waves conquered. Now, as if in need and anticipation of the return of rules, they began to hang around the school playground. So did the man in the old green coop. Every day at noon, Charlie Gowan brought his sandwiches and a carton of milk and parked across the road from the playground, separated from the swings and the jungle gym by a steel fence and some scraggly geraniums. Here he sat and ate and drank and watched. He knew he shouldn't be there. It was dangerous to be seen near such a place. Where children congregate. You understand that, Gowan? I think so, sir. Do you know what congregate means? Well, not exactly. Don't give me that dumb act, Gowan. You spent two years at college. I was sick then. You don't retain things when you're sick. Then I'll spell it out for you. You are to stay away from any place frequented by children. Parks, certain beach areas, Saturday afternoon movies, school playgrounds. The conditions were impossible, of course. He couldn't turn and run in the opposite direction every time he saw a child. They were all over, everywhere, at any hour. Once, even at midnight, when he was walking by himself, he'd come across a boy and a girl, barely twelve. He told them gruffly to go home or he'd call the police. They disappeared into the darkness. He never saw them again, even though he took the same route at the same time every night after that for a week. His conscience gnawed at him. He loved children. He shouldn't have threatened the boy and girl. He should have found out why they were on the streets at such an hour, and then escorted them home and lectured their parents very sternly about looking after their kids. He started on his second sandwich. The first hadn't filled the void in his stomach, and neither would the second. He might as well have been eating clouds or pieces of twilight, though he couldn't express it that way to his brother Benjamin who made the lunches for both of them. He had to be very careful what he said to Benjamin. The least little fanciful thought or offbeat phrase, and Ben would get the strained, set look on his face that reminded Charlie of their dead mother. Then the questions would start. Eating clouds, Charlie? Pieces of twilight? Where do you get screwy ideas like that? You're feeling all right, aren't you? Have you phoned Louise lately? Don't you think she might want to hear from you? Look, Charlie, if something bothering you, you're sure not. He knew better by this time than to mention anything about clouds or twilight. He had said simply that morning, I need more food, Ben. Why? Why? Well, because I'm hungry. I work hard. I was wondering... Maybe some donuts and a couple of pieces of pie. For yourself? Sure, for myself. Who else? Oh, now I see what you're thinking about. That was over two years ago, Ben, and the Mexican kid was half-starved. 
Everything would have been fine if that busybody woman hadn't interfered. The kid ate the sandwich. It filled him up. He felt good for a change. My God, Ben, is it a crime to feed starving children? Ben didn't answer. He merely closed the lid of the lunchbox on the usual two sandwiches and carton of milk and changed the subject.